Welcome to Living Word Ministries with director and Bible teacher, Debbie Blank. Each week, Debbie examines current events through the lens of end times Bible prophecies. Please visit our website for information and past programs at livingwordministry.org. Now let's open our Bibles to focus on truths from God's Word with Debbie Blank. How do you handle a situation or a crisis in your life? Do you turn to God, trusting Him to guide you through it? Maybe you take the reins and figure out the best solution. Or do you do as Adam and Eve did and blame someone? Adam blamed God. He said, the woman you gave me caused me to eat the fruit. Then he blamed Eve. Well, she gave me the fruit from the tree. And then Eve blamed the serpent by saying, the serpent deceived me and I ate. Our response to crises depends on where our focus is. If it's on God, then we'll turn to him. But if it's on me, then we'll blame others and do whatever seems right in our own eyes. Today, we're going to look at a major crisis coming upon the world, according to the book of Revelation, and then discover how people respond. I'm Debbie Blank, welcoming you to Living Word Ministries. And I'm co-host Jackie Sailors. Recent storms blasting our country are a reminder that the forces of nature can change our lives suddenly and dramatically. With very little warning, trees can be uprooted, houses flattened, crucial power can go out, and lives can be lost in just a matter of seconds. It's a humbling reminder of the great forces of nature and how small we are in comparison. And we might also wonder how we can possibly know, let alone have any control over, the climate of the earth decades from today, when in our own lives we are routinely humbled before the forces of nature and nature's God. In Revelation 6, the opening of the sixth seal reveals the awesome and tremendous power of God over nature, and yet the remarkable ability of some who will still not be humbled in repentance before him. So you say God has authority over nature. Isn't it Mother Nature that takes care of our land? No, it's not. It's our Father God Creator who's in charge. You know, one of the major issues that the world is facing today, or at least that's what we're told, is climate change. The United Nations claims on their website, quote, climate change is the defining issue of our time, and we are at a defining moment. They often point out to the increase in the hurricanes and tornadoes and things that you just talked about for their analysis of that. And because of these issues, they've declared, quote, without drastic action today, adapting to these impacts in the future will be more difficult and costly. Well, certainly there's issues in nature. Certainly there's a responsibility that we have as Christians and as people here on earth to take care of what God has given us, all of our resources, whether it be our financial or our homes or our earth. We have a responsibility. And yet the experts seem to forget that it's our Heavenly Father, our Creator God, who's created and controls the earth, the weather, the storms, every single thing that's happening. Psalm 19, 1 through 6, though I'm only going to read one verse, says, The heavens are telling of the glory of God, and their expanse is declaring the work of his hands. Just look at the sun, the moon, and the stars, and you see God in them, because only he could create them. So therefore, only he is the one who can bring about disasters or hold back disasters. When we try and take over God's glory by negating God's involvement in all of creation and thinking that we can control the weather or the storms, the sun, the moon, and the stars, we're taking that away from God. God is a jealous God. He will not have that. 
As we've looked at the previous five seals, we've seen what really could be natural occurrences. First, we saw the Antichrist introduced with diplomacy or forced diplomacy. Next, we saw peace taken from the world. Well, certainly there's been peace taken from the world. War has broken out worldwide for thousands of years. And when the third seal was opened, famine, well, that's a consequence of war, and it's a problem we always have. The fourth seal was opened, and we saw a fourth of the world die. Now, that we've never seen before. We came close during the Black Plague in Europe, but we didn't reach a fourth of the world at that time. So when the fourth seal was opened, that started some supernatural events that we've never seen before. And, of course, the fifth seal was the souls under the altar, which is a heavenly scene. Now we're getting to the sixth seal, and we're continuing all the supernatural things that only God could be in control of. Only he could bring about through his wrath, or only he could stop. These things, as you said, are undeniably supernatural, whereas some of the others seem to be things that we are used to having only on a greater scale. This has a completely different aspect to it. The power is supernatural, which is something that mankind likes to deny, is what's science is science, but they deny the supernatural. And so this brings us face to face with the fact that we are not in control. That's so important. We think that we are. We think that maybe we can control climate even, and yet we're not in control when there's a basic storm. And we're certainly not in control when we see these supernatural judgments. And they are judgments. That's a difference in in some of the things that we see going on now. These are undeniably judgments. Let me clarify. When we talked about those first three seals being opened, and we said they are natural phenomena, we see them all the time. In the book of Revelation, when these seals are opened, they're all supernatural. The point I was making is you could say that we've seen them in this world before, but now they're going to be Christ-led, Christ-controlled, pouring out the wrath of God. It's just like the plagues in Egypt, because the first couple of plagues were natural. The water turning to blood, that happens. That's known to happen with a certain kind of a phenomenon in the seas. And then, of course, you would have the frogs jumping out, and then they'd die, and then you'd have lice. That, that's natural. But those were supernatural events. These are supernatural events, but you really see it. As we begin with Revelation six twelve and the opening of the sixth seal, it says, I looked when he broke the sixth seal, and there was a great earthquake, and the sun became black as sackcloth made of hair, and the whole moon became like blood. That's a scene we've never seen before. Certainly in the plagues, the skies were darkened, and we saw similar things to some of the judgments we will see in Revelation, but these are different. Our Elohim, our Creator God, remember in Genesis 1, 14 and 15, on the fourth day of creation, God created the heavenlies. It says, then God said, let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens to separate the day from the night and let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and for years. And let them be for lights in the expanse of the heavens to give light on the earth. And it was so. So God said later then it was good when he had created all these things. Since God is the only one who can put those in the skies as he has and keep them there. I mean, I don't know a lot about science, but I know that it has to be a miraculous thing for the sun and the moon and the stars to stay where they are and rotating the way they do and causing the seasons that we have. 
Our God did that. So only our God can bring about the disasters that are going to happen in these end times. We also see in Nehemiah 9, 1 through 6, where he announces that you alone are the Lord. You have made the heavens, the heaven of heavens with all their hosts, the earth and all that is in it, the season and all that is in them. You give life to all of them and heavenly hosts bow down before you. The day pours forth speech and night to night reveals knowledge. And we could go on talking about that, but it's clear that God has created all this so he can do what he chooses to do for his purpose and his glory. Yeah, it makes me think about um, Romans 1 because I think about those people who know about God, what they know is evident within them. And yet this is from uh, Romans 1 verse 20, for since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen being understood through what has been made so that they are without excuse and yet mankind continues to deny god's power they do well then we see here as an example of his control over the earth the first thing that it mentions is a great earthquake now earthquakes are prevalent in the book of revelation we see them five times we don't see them a lot elsewhere in scripture five times this is the first the last one will be mentioned in Revelation 16:18, And both the first and the last are called great earthquakes. The rest are called earthquakes. You can imagine the difference when God adds an adjective like great. This is going to be huge, as we'll talk about in just a minute with the sun and the stars and everything. It's a huge impact in this world. Who can cause earthquakes? Only God. Well, I guess that's not true. We've been causing earthquakes by taking the fracking and the oil wells and the taking out water and oil from the land is causing a lot of earthquakes. But when you talk about a great earthquake, only God can. Psalm 60 verse 2 says, you've made the land quake. You have split it open. In 2 Samuel 22, 8, then the earth shook and quaked. The foundations of heaven were trembling and were shaken because he was angry. So why does the earthquake generally? Because God is angry. He's doing something. He's trying to get people's attention. An example of that can be seen in Numbers chapter 16. There's a story there of a man named Korah who decided that he and his 250 buddies who were strong men and capable, they were worthy of being leaders just as much as Moses was. So they confronted Moses. Oh, Moses was aghast and went to the Lord and God said, separate Korah and his 250 men from you, they did. And it says in Numbers 16, 32, the earth opened his mouth and swallowed them up and their households and all the men who belonged to Korah with their possessions. And it goes on to say later that fire also came from the Lord and consumed the 250 men. So this earthquake opens up because Korah and his family and his household were rebellious and swallowed only them, nobody else. And then the fire came down from the Lord to destroy the other people who rebelled. God uses earthquakes for his purpose. Yes, they can happen sometimes because of natural disasters, but ultimately God's always in charge of them, whether they happen because of the natural disasters or because he's angry, as it talks about it in Second Samuel. Well, even with natural earthquakes, which we have seen some really big ones, even in our generation, there have been some that have made massive changes in the earth, things that we can refer to right now that people might remember. 
Yeah. Well, and then you have the sun turning black. In Joshua 10, 12 through 13, we saw God cause the suns to stand still for 24 hours. Joshua needed more daylight in order to fight the battle against the Amorites. So he asked God to make the sun stand still, and God did. Only God who made the sun can make it stand still. Now, again, I'm saying I'm not a scientist, but the sun controls a lot of things on this earth. And if it stood still, there should be a lot of natural disasters that take place as a result. But they didn't because God was able to do that. What's it going to look like? Why is the sun going to be turned blackened? Well, it's hard to say. Within earthquakes, a lot of things happen. There's volcanoes. We know that volcanoes have happened that have put so much ash in the air that airplanes couldn't fly over to Europe at different times. So it could be because of the ash that they appear blackened. It could be because of the ash that the moon becomes like blood. So whatever it is, is it a natural disaster that causes it to turn black? Or is it supernatural that God is darkening the sun? And he also deals with the moon because the moon becomes like blood. We know that an eclipse often causes what we know as a blood moon because it changes the color of the moon. So this could happen during eclipse. It could be supernatural eclipse. It could be a blood moon because of the soot that goes in the air or any other catastrophe that God might choose to happen. Only three times in scripture is a blood moon mentioned. One is mentioned here. The second one is Joel. And the third one is Acts chapter 2, which repeats Joel. In Joel chapter 2, verses 30 and 31, it says, I will display wonders in the sky and on the earth, blood, fire, and columns of smoke. The sun will be turned into darkness and the moon into blood. When's that going to happen? Before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. So this is proof by the sun turning into darkness and the moon to blood. That's a fulfillment of the prophecy in Joel. And it's also a fulfillment then that the great and awesome day of the Lord is right here. It's happening when we see these things. So we've seen some previews of things like that, but we're going to see something more intense. For those who will be on the earth, we don't plan on being on the earth because we believe that the believers will be raptured and won't be participating in the tribulation, and we're clearly in the tribulation in this part of the scripture. But there are some things that we can identify with. One part that I think is interesting is Revelation 6.13. And maybe you can explain this because it says the stars of the sky fell to the earth as a fig tree casts its unripe figs when shaken by a great wind. Now, how can stars fall to the earth even supernaturally? How does that work? Well, they could if God wants them to happen. I take the Bible literally. So I look at this and say, okay, how can these stars fall from the sky? Well, if you're outside and you're watching shooting stars, it appears that they're falling from the sky onto the earth. But that's not necessarily the case. They could be just shooting across the sky. The word for stars here is aster. Well, there's a lot of asteroids out there that people say are going to come real close to the Earth, maybe even hit the Earth. One time, a fragment of an asteroid the size of a bus was able to make it through the atmosphere, and it flew over Russia, leaving a trail of fire. But when it finally landed, what was left of it on the Earth left a huge crater just in the small junk that came from the sky. We know that there's a lot of asteroids that could hit the earth. We know that there's sky junk that we have put up in the sky that could come down. We also know from history 
on November 13, 1833, that shooting stars fell for three hours. I can't imagine what that would look like if it seemed like they were falling to the earth, but they were just shooting across the sky and looked like they were coming down. So it could be some kind of a situation like that. It could be some kind of a disaster that takes place from the skies, an asteroid that causes the earthquake and the black sun and the blood moon. And then there could be a lot of trails from that. You also have space junk or asteroids coming through our atmosphere as they fall to earth it looks like stars falling to the earth so it could be any of those things we don't know but it's going to be significant enough that god mentions it here and it's going to scare people to death since we know that those things have happened in our lifetime the things that you've mentioned we know that something far greater than that could happen during the tribulation and that's what god says will happen Oh, yes, because his ways are much greater than our ways. And this is the time where he's going to show himself without question to the world. In Revelation 6.14, it goes on to say, The sky was split apart like a scroll when it's rolled up, and every mountain and island were moved out of their places. When I first read that, I thought, Oh, my gosh, all the mountains and the islands are going to be just disappearing. And would that cause tidal waves and tsunamis and problems all over the world? It sure would. But that's not necessarily what it means. First, when we start with the sky was split apart like a scroll, that makes me think of a nuclear blast. I think of the pictures I've seen of the sky rolling up and curling up with the smoke and everything that's happening. That could definitely be man-made nuclear blast that God uses in this disaster. Or it could be just part of whatever God's doing right now in the sixth seal that causes all these things to systematically happen. When we talk about every mountain and island moving, well, that's not unusual, quite frankly. In Turkey, their land has moved four feet before because of an earthquake. In Chile in 2010, their land moved the Earth's axis by two inches. Uh, that's significant when they're Earth's access has moved, not just moving the mountains. And because of this earthquake in Chile, our day was shortened by 1.26 millionth of a second. Now that's nothing to us, but that's huge when you're looking at the importance of the systematic aspect of our days and how God has created our world to be. In Sumatra in 2004, an earthquake shortened the day by 6.8 millionths of a second. And then in Japan in 2011, that horrendous earthquake, it moved the Earth's axis 6.5 inches. And it moved the island 13 feet to the east, and it dropped it 2 feet in latitude. So you see, when you go through a natural disaster or an earthquake, all these things can happen. And this is going to be a great earthquake. So what that means, I don't know. But imagine if there was an earthquake in California, and it split California and it fell into the ocean, which people have been talking about forever. That would have effects all around the world. And we can imagine that this is going to be even greater than that. So when we think about something like that happening and mankind's response to something like that, it makes me think of my pastor whose family lived in Chile in 2010 when that 8.8 .8 earthquake happened. And she, his sister lived by the ocean, and all of those people had to run up to the mountains to get away from the tsunami that was going to follow. So they run up to the mountains. 
and everybody's in a panic, and he said, it's pitch dark, and everybody's all upset and scared to death, and somebody in the group starts quoting Psalm 91, and he said, everybody from around came to that person because they wanted to hear that, and so that is a wonderful response to a tragedy. What is going to be the response when we read in chapter 6 of Revelation? Oh, I hope that when we find ourselves in those situations that we will quote scripture and we will pray and we will be drawn to the Lord and we will draw people to the Lord because you would think that crises like this would cause us to do that. But they don't. Not here. Not when the sixth seal is open. It's just the opposite. Let's read Revelation 6.15. Then the kings of the earth and the great men and the commanders and the rich and the strong and every slave and free man hid themselves in the caves and among the rocks of the mountains. I've got to read the next verses so that you can understand the context here because verse 16 says, And they said to the mountains and to the rocks, Fall on us and hide us from the presence of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of their wrath has come, and who is able to stand? Consider this, that you have the mountains and the islands moving out of their places, and yet where are the people going? They're going up into the mountains and into the caves, into the very places that are crumbling or moving. That would be the last place I'd go to. If there's an earthquake, you're supposed to go outside rather than go into a mountain or into a building, and yet they hide themselves. And did you catch who's doing this? Everybody. The great men and the commanders and the rich and the strong. And then you have every slave and every free man. Now, there's a couple things that tells me. It tells me when we get into the revelation period of tribulation, we're going to have two kinds of people. We're going to have the very rich and we're going to have the very poor. We saw that in the third seal with the famine that took place and how it cost a day's wages just for a loaf of bread, but they didn't harm the oil and the wine, which was for the rich people. Well, the way that these people are divided out, it's saying everybody, but it's dividing them into two different classes. Everybody, though, is going to fall into this trap of turning away from God instead of turning to them. Did he repent? No. Sounds like Adam and Eve going back to the Garden of Eden. They heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord. Did they really think they could hide from God? But they were trying to because they knew they had done wrong. In this case, the people know that their hearts are not right. God knows everything. Why would they hide from him? Can we really hide from God? Adam and Eve couldn't. And Psalm 139 verses 7 through 10 says we can't either. It says, where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in Sheol, behold, you're there. If I take wings of the dawn, if I dwell in the remotest parts of the sea, even there your hand will lead me and your right hand will lay hold of me. We cannot hide from God. God is omniscient. He's everywhere. No matter where we go, what we do, what we think, God is there, and he knows what our actions and our thoughts are. Satan isn't. Satan cannot be everywhere. Satan doesn't know everything, but God does. Why do we try and turn away from him? Why do we think that we can have an action that he doesn't see, or even a mental thought? Do we realize that he's in our thought processes? I saw a booklet a long time ago, and it was all about opening 
the rooms of your mind to Jesus. The idea is that if you open your house, you open every door and every closet when you're cleaning it, every cupboard, every scrap. I'm reminded of the Jews who have to get rid of every bit of leaven for Passover. They clean everything and they look in every corner. That's what we are to do with God, is to let him into our lives, to let him have an entrance into all of our corners and our nooks and our crannies and our closets. See what's there, clean it out for us so that our spiritual home can be in perfect condition. God sees it anyway. Why wouldn't we want that to glorify him? Then when we look at the fact that they say, fall on us and hide us from the presence of him who sits on the throne, in other words, they want to die. Why would you want to die? If you die, you go to, away from Christ for the rest of eternity. At least while they're alive, they have a chance. There's a passage in Ecclesiastes that says it's better to be a live dog than a dead lion. Because when you're alive, you've got a chance. But you can be the strongest of the commanders of kings. And when you're dead, you're dead. So they didn't turn from him. They knew the wrath of God was coming. This is the orge wrath, the mental wrath of God. They're seen, and they didn't repent. Remember Romans 1, 21 and 22 that we've read before? For even though they knew God, they didn't honor as God or give thanks, but became futile in their speculations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools. Well, these fools now are saying, hide us from the Lamb from the wrath of God. They recognize what's coming and they don't want to turn to Christ. They want to die instead of that. We learn from Isaiah 24, 19 through 21, that the earth is broken asunder. The earth is split through. The earth is shaken violently. The earth reels to and fro like a drunkard and it totters like a shack. The Lord will punish the host of heaven on high and the kings of the earth on earth. There's coming a time when God's going to do that, that he's going to use the natural celestial things that he created as natural disasters for us to bring about repentance. That's what this is all about, is that God will get people's attention so that they will turn to him. He doesn't want anyone to perish. He wants all to come to the knowledge of repentance. But sometimes it takes pain for us to turn to God. In this instance, people are doing just the opposite. When they have the pain, they're turning away from God. In our culture in the United States, when pain comes through 9-11 or COVID, a lot of times we turn to God. But this is turning people away from God. It's not because of who God is. He's giving them every opportunity. It's because of their hardened hearts, their hearts who have turned away from the Lord. Remember, these are tribulation people. These are people who are not saints. The saints were taken up in the rapture before all of this started. So these are people who chose not to believe in God early on. And if they wouldn't believe in God when he's displaying his love to us on this earth, why would they believe in him when he's pouring out his wrath? Wow, the time is coming when this wrath is going to be seen on this earth. Based on Bible prophecies, it could happen any time. Are you willing to turn your life to Jesus Christ as Savior and follow him today? Do you call yourself a Christian? 
but you're living like the world. If you are, that needs to change. Jesus warned us in Matthew 7, 21, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only those who do the will of my Father who is in heaven will enter. We must have a personal relationship with Jesus. We can't just call ourselves a Christians or follow traditions. Will you repent and follow Jesus today before it's too late? Thank you for joining us today on Living Word Ministries with Debbie Blank. This is a listener-supported show. If you'd like to support this program or contact Debbie Blank, you may do so at P.O. Box 540-003, Omaha, Nebraska, 68154, or visit our website at livingwordministry.org. Please tune in each week at this same time for Living Word Ministries with Debbie Blank.